This is Jack Scallions. Would you join me for just a few moments from my heart to yours? The factor that separates Christianity from the world's religions is an empty tomb. The cornerstone of the gospel and the hope of every believer lies squarely on the fact that Jesus not only paid our sin debt, but that he rose for our justification. Paul points out that if Christ be not raised, our preaching is in vain, and so is our faith. We are false witnesses. We are still in our sins, and our loved ones who died are perished. The resurrection of each believer is tied indisputably to his resurrection. Without Christ's resurrection, where would any of us find peace or forgiveness or hope? Death would be the conqueror, and all hope would be swallowed up in the grave. Man is not a body that has a soul, but a soul that has a body. This body is acclimated to this earth. It's called a terrestrial body. It is bound to the laws of this earth, gravity and density of materials, centrifugal force, deterioration of matter. All of these things and much more form the chains that hold us. The resurrection is always physical since the soul, the intellect, the emotion, the will, or volition is spiritual and eternal. Genesis declares that God created a man of the dust of the ground. That's the physical side. The body is made up of the same mineral and chemical components found in this earth. Our earthly bodies are sustained from this earth. The elements from our body are worth a bit over a dollar. Physically, we're made up of 65% oxygen, 18% carbon, 10% hydrogen, 3% nitrate, 1.5% calcium, 1% phosphorus, and a smattering of a bunch of things like um, sulfur and potassium and sodium and chlorine and manganese and, and copper and zinc and the list goes on. The rest of the story is the most important thing, however. God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath or spirit of life, and man became a living soul. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. noted evangelist and theologian when asked the greatest truth he had ever known, he replied that I will live somewhere forever. We know for a fact that this body we walk about in will not survive much past three score and ten, or about seventy years, if that much. Yet we possess many of the characteristics of our Creator, one of which is eternality. Since we are promised eternal life, certainly we must have a celestial body to function in an eternal world acclimated to eternity. In the course of half centuries as a pastor, I have walked in front of many caskets bearing the earthly remains of those whose earthly life had ended. From the scriptures, I have always been able to say, if you're in Christ, you'll see your loved ones again. Driving north on Highway 51 out of Memphis, Tennessee, past Ripley about 10 miles, you could turn on the Concord Road and come to a small country church in the Concord community surrounded by a graveyard. The bodies of my dad and my mom, my grandparents, and three brothers sleep there. It was snowing the day my mother was laid to rest. I remember the wind was sharp and the day was cold. I remember saying, Mother, I'll see you again. I'll see you someday. Mom and Dad are gone. My big brother, D.A., two little brothers, Billy and Ted, I never knew. All are gone, but I'll see them again. In reviewing this and thinking about this, 
I will believe today that I'm in good company. I recall Dr. Bob Jones saying almost identically the same thing in his writing when he recorded when I was 14 years old. I knelt by my dying mother's bed. She smiled at me through the death shadow on her face and said she was going home. She asked me to meet her in heaven, and I gave her my promise. Her body sleeps in a lonely cemetery in the state of Alabama. As I have sat by her graveside and listened to a funeral dirge played in the pine trees nearby, I have said, Mother, I'll see you again some day. Some people say I am dreaming, Dr. Jones said. If I am, don't wake me. If the world were all, I would want my Christian faith. My faith hangs a rainbow of hope over the dust of my beloved ones and kindles a smile on the brow of my bereavement. From my earliest memories, my dad was a farmer. We grew cotton and corn and soybeans and all of this for cash crop. Dad would save the seeds from garden vegetables from year to year. Each spring, he'd take those dead, dry seeds and place them in the moist, warm earth and wait for a miracle to happen. Out of the earth would come a small green plant, for you see, there was life in that dry seed. Paul, in the great resurrection chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, explains that these physical bodies that become corrupt and weak and dishonorable will one day be raised as a glorified body that is incorruptible and spiritual. The message of the gospel is that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. The church was birthed at Pentecost on that truth. The disciples declared that they were ordained to be witnesses of that truth, the truth of the resurrection. This resurrection message was interwoven throughout the book of Acts. It is the power of the gospel. The importance of Christ's resurrection is that he was the first fruits, and because he lives, we too shall live. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 8, that when we are absent from this body, we are present with the Lord. At death, this mortal body sleeps. Soul sleep is not taught in the scripture. Our real person, soul and spirit, is ushered into the presence of Christ at death. At Christ's coming, he will bring with him the souls and spirits to be reunited with a new and glorified body. The scripture abounds with the truth of our resurrection. Over these years, it has been my privilege to baptize converts. Every time a new believer enters the baptismal waters, he tells the story of his belief and trust in the gospel. This vivid picture and figurative object lesson also affirms our resurrection. I remember and have recalled saying many times as I baptized converts, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Baptism or any work of the flesh has no part in salvation except to be a picture of our belief in his resurrection and assurance that we too will be resurrected. A man stood looking at a large display in a store window, a painting of Jesus on a cross with soldiers all around him. A little boy fresh from Sunday school came by and stood beside the man. After a good bit of time, he said to this gentleman, Mr. Mr. That's Jesus. 
Mister, mister, those soldiers, they killed him. Mister, mister, his disciples, they buried him. The man turned without a word and walked away. The little boy ran after him and cried out, Mister, mister, I forgot to tell you, he came out of that grave on the third day. Oh, we're but one step from death. Eternal life is given to everyone. Eternal destination is the question. Knowing the brevity of life, it's a foolish person who does not prepare for eternity. Yes, I will live forever, and yes, I will have a new body. Anna Johnson Flint wrote it like this, O empty tomb of Jesus, this holds a glory bright that fills death's shadowy valley with resurrection light. O mighty love of Jesus, his feet alone have trod earth's heights and depths of sorrow and made a way to God. Because he lives, I too shall live. Well, I want to thank you today for listening for just a few moments from my heart to yours.